This is Pauline Jennings, and you're listening to Musician Talk. My guest this week is Scott Wildridge, a musician and songwriter based in Minneapolis. In addition to performing under his own name, he's also a member of the Wildridge Brothers, a Milwaukee, Wisconsin-based band. He has appeared in projects and shows with many heavy hitters, including Mike Mills of R.E.M., I love the Americana tunes he writes. They have intelligent, thoughtful, sometimes irreverent lyrics, and his music hits a sweet spot somewhere between rock and edgy folk. I'm thrilled that today you get to hear a couple of his songs. It's time to get to know him. Let's talk with Scott Wildridge. Welcome, Scott, to Musician Talk. Hi. Hi, I'm so excited to have you on today. Yeah, it's, it's great to be here. In preparation for your big show, which we're going to talk about later. But before we do that, I want to just dig right in and talk to you about your musical journey and when you started singing and playing and writing and just kind of take us through your, your musical life. Okay. All right. Well, it goes way back yeah. to the 70s in Indiana where I grew up. I think when I first started thinking about writing songs... And and singing too um, was when was uh, I was probably in junior high maybe and uh, a, a girl at my high school um, did a project where she sang two of the songs she'd written um, and she was a songwriter and I it just had never occurred to me that this is something that normal people do you know I mean <laughs> right. you know I I was enamored of the music I heard on the radio. And those were, you know, Elton John, Paul McCartney, people who lived in yellow submarines and flew in private jets and <laughs> they were stars, right? right? They, and they, there's gotta be some magic. Right. So <laughs> that's who wrote songs. Right. And, and then to see one of my friends do it was just opened my eyes. It was sort of like, Oh, well, maybe I could do this. Cool. And, you know, I was so into music that it was just really appealing to try it. it took me a long time to uh, get very good at it. Um, uh, I, I think maybe in the next couple of years it'll happen. Uh, <laughs> so, um, and then, you know, I kicked around with bands in high school. We, we've had jam sessions and, and had different lineups. And um, we decided to kind of get serious about it when I was a freshman in college. And I ended up uh, doing one year in college and then uh, kind of cutting back in college and, and doing the band thing. We ended up moving from Indiana to Milwaukee. Uh, Milwaukee is not known as, you know, uh, a big music scene, but it actually was, you know, uh, there was some stuff going on there, violent films and later the Bodines. And we kind of knew some people there. So that's where we ended up. And I spent 15 years there in Milwaukee with the band uh, The Squares and then the Wooldridge Brothers. Uh, I think the Wooldridge Brothers formed in 91 and we've been really active. We've, uh, you know, played with a lot of people. So the Wooldridge Brothers, uh, how many brothers? Just two. Okay. Myself <laughs> and Brian. Brian uh, plays lead guitar. Uh, he sometimes plays bass, but mostly lead guitar. Uh, Julie Strzewski Wooldridge, his wife, is a uh, uh, vocalist also. Cool. Uh, Jack Rice was on bass, has been on bass, and Scott Gorsuch was our drummer for quite a while. Uh, he's retired now. Um, so um, that was the main lineup of the band over the years. And we've, we were most active mid 90s 
And then um, we, we still get together and play. Um, lineups changed maybe a little bit from here, here and there, but uh, yeah, still doing it. Cool. So we'll talk a little bit more about the Wooldridge Brothers. I want to go back a little bit. And mm-hmm. when you thought about, oh, hey, I can write songs, were you already playing an instrument at that time? I was, I was a piano player. I took lessons. Okay. Uh, I, I was in band and choir and kind of a music geek. I eventually started learning to play guitar. Uh, I've always been kind of a very basic rhythm player. Okay. Um, but I mostly perform now with acoustic guitar, yeah. Okay. And so um, how long did you continue taking piano lessons? I mean, I just feel like your entree into other instruments is facilitated so much by learning the piano. Right. Yeah. And I, I, I've heard that and I find it to be true. Um, it, it certainly was a great foundation for me. I only took lessons four or five years. I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's a lot. Maybe that's not a lot. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, kind of gives you your foundation of, of theory and knowing yeah. scales and all that kind of stuff, which is yeah. so important for guitar playing, of course. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, when I was in high school, I felt like I had so much going on. And, uh, you know, I was I, I ended up, you know, uh, being a percussionist and taking lessons in percussion. So I kind of dropped the piano at some point and then was mostly doing this band and stuff. And then uh, when we started the, the, the rock and roll thing, uh, I played keyboards in the first couple versions of the band and then s- slowly switched to acoustic guitar. Why did you do that? I felt like the songs we were writing was were more guitar oriented, I guess. And uh, everybody else was writing songs on guitar. <laughs> you know, it just seemed like it just, and I, you know, I started getting into people like Dylan and, uh, you know, the folk scene a little bit, uh, but especially Dylan. And um, to me, that was the ideal songwriter, right? So I, um, I really wanted to, to kind of go down that path. The ideal songwriter, and I think a lot of people feel that way about Bob Dylan. Um, mm-hmm. Why do you feel that way? Why do you think he's the ideal songwriter? Well, I don't know that I feel that anymore. I mean, I certainly consider him one of the greatest. Right. Um, but there are people like Joni Mitchell and, oh. you know, the, the Beatles and everything that uh, are also really important to me. Ray Charles is really important to me. Right. You know, going back to a keyboard player you go through stages and I was really into Dylan for a while and um, just his story, you know, and and some of it is more of a narrative than maybe factual, but um, you know, the, the singer songwriter who challenged the establishment and, and, uh, and his songs are just so brilliant. I really just kind of fell in love with them and was really a huge Dylan fan for, for a long time. Still am. Yeah. Do you write your songs on guitar now? Yeah, like 90%. Got it. I, I wrote a, a, one of the songs, uh, Waiting It Out, on the latest Wilderich Brothers album, Starts at Dusk. Waiting It Out is the first track and a song that's, I think, pretty important to us. And I wrote that on piano. But most stuff is on guitar. It's nice to be able to have that option to do. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, yeah. It can really be- give you a different feel, you know, kind of a, a, a change yeah. of pace. Yeah. And your background in taking piano lessons and picking up the guitar and then playing percussion for a while also sets you up so well for writing Mm -hmm. songs like you do. Uh, I love, love your songs. I feel like you're a cross between, well, I mean, I could pick out a dozen people, but I was, what hit, what hit me first was Tom Petty, Dave Matthews, Beatles and Dylan. (laughs) I've, I've kind of gotten into Tom Petty a little bit more over the years. I was a fan when I was a kid. 
And uh, right now I, uh, I cover a couple of his songs. So in your songwriting process, you write it primarily, as you said, on guitar. What do you start with? How do, how do you write songs? How do you approach songwriting? I guess my process is usually I, I get a line in my head or an idea, uh, a couple lines maybe. And I'll, I'll make a note of them. And when I sit down with the guitar, I'll start playing around with it. And then it, the song grows from there, usually pretty quickly. Some songs uh, I've worked on over time and, and you know, tried to polish them. Uh, but usually it comes together pretty quickly. In the last few years, I, I've have, I have this hobby of jogging and I go out along the rivers uh, here in Minnesota, the Minnesota River and the Mississippi River. And that kind of activity, I think, really spurs kind of a rhythmic uh, oh, feel of, of, of thinking, you know, so you start thinking in, in with kind of a beat to it. Oh, I like that. That's <laughs> and, really uh, cool. Yeah. So I've, I've had a lot of ideas over the last six or seven years, just when I was out jogging and I'll just make a note on my phone and uh, come back and eventually uh, it, they become songs. So when you say a line comes into your head, is that usually a melody line or a lyric line? Lyric. The melody probably is is in the the lyric line to some degree from the very beginning or very close to the beginning. After you have kind of your chord progression and your lyric lyrics and your melody, mm-hmm. your songs have so much more than that. When mm-hmm. do you start putting on the sauce and all the little extras like the background harmonies and the ooze and the uh, all the different things that are going on, the breaks and all that. Do you, do you collaborate with people for that? Or is that something that you, you do yourself? Uh, there is collaboration there. Um, so I think the Wooldridge brothers put out six or seven albums. Wow. And um, you know, a lot of that music, th- th- that's where the Wooldridge brothers part comes in because sure. Brian has a lot of that he contributes as far as co- kind of arranging and thinking about what to add. Like you said, the sauce. Right. And uh so Brian does contribute a lot. There are other band members contribute a lot. It ends up being uh, richer, you know, yeah, with all that good. contribution from yeah. other people. When I write a song, I always sort of leave it open as to, to how it's going to develop. Sure, because you might ne- not necessarily have the lead guitar part or the drum part written out. And so you rely on the musicians that you work with to come up with the part. Absolutely. Yes? Yeah. Yeah. And with uh, Starts at Dusk, you know, we also worked with some producers. Uh, we did, we produced some of it ourselves, but John Munson here in uh, Minneapolis uh, helped us with some production work, and we recorded it at Terrarium Studios here Got in it. Minneapolis. Yeah. Got it. And, <laughs> and a producer often arranges the song that, you, that you're working on. That might be, that often is their role. Yeah. Not always, but often. Not always, no. Right. Um, Not always. It, 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 you know, with us, we have pretty... You know, by the time we got into the studio, we had a pretty clear idea of what we wanted to do. But, uh, for example, John suggested some some things about how the baseline went and, and how the, the, the quiet parts went and uh, really contributed some good ideas. That's great. It's time to introduce our first song called Drive Through Summer. And so I would like you to tell us a little bit about writing this song and where the idea for it came. Well, this was actually the song I was thinking of, uh, of John Munson having a big contribution because he helped, he helped us kind of flesh this out. And, uh, you know, it's a story song. It's, it's me reminiscing about thinking back when I was younger, much younger, and uh, sort of the Indiana experience of growing up and, and uh, you know, dating. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah. when you're a kid and you make a lot of mistakes and you, you know, you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> right. So uh, that's sort of what drive through summer is about. I love the mix you have of storytelling with groove. It's, it's unique, I think. Uh, and I really, really appreciate it. Why did you choose this song to play today? People respond to it. I think people can relate to it. So um, I thought that would be a good one. Awesome. And who's all playing on, on this track? Well, uh, again, Jack Rice on bass, Scott Gorsuch on drums, Brian uh, on lead guitar, Julie on vocals, and myself on vocals. And I think I, think I did the harmonica part. It was pretty basic. So let's listen to the Wildridge Brothers song, Drive Through Summer. Uh, Scott Wildridge is part of that group, and he is my guest today. Here it is. She told me she'd get bored If I stopped coming around Well, that
She said the talking heads had to be on drugs Well, she was going south to college And I was going north to nowhere The connection just came unplugged Pauline Jennings, and you're listening to Musician Talk. You just heard Drive Through Summer, an original tune written by the Wooldridge Brothers, which my guest today, Scott Wooldridge, is a part of. So yeah, I, I okay, I, I just can't stop saying how much I love the song. I, I love <laughs> I love the way it starts. I love how full it is, and yet it's not messy. You know, I mean, there's so much going on, but yet it 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 just really. Um, and it's so catchy and it's perfectly matched for your voice. Um, and it's got a great hook. So, I mean, you kind of got it all. <laughs> well, I'm glad you think so. I mean, I, like I said, I think people relate to it. Um, uh, Brian and Scott Gorsuch actually deserve a lot of credit because, you know, uh, John helped us in the formation of it when we recorded it, laid down the basic tracks. Um, but Brian and Scott Gorsuch really uh, worked hard on, kind of polishing it and mixing it as you said uh as you said there's a lot of there are things going on but but i think it still sounds very cohesive we recorded that oh god i think we recorded it in like 2014 the original tracks and we kept working on that album for uh two or three years after that and and released it in 2017 um we we have to work a little slower or at least it, it, it turns out that way because uh i live here in minneapolis Brian lives in Milwaukee. Scott Gorsuch lived in Chicago. Um, we were a three-city band, basically. Wow. And so that makes things a little more complicated. Yeah, no kidding. So yeah. did, did they come to town to put the basic tracks down, or was it all virtually virtual sending oh, files? We, we had a, a few days here in okay. Minneapolis where everyone came and, and recorded the basics, and then uh, we would do overdubs in the other cities. Okay, so I want to talk about this current project you have coming up here, and this is really fortuitous timing because uh, it's it's coming up this week, and it's called Big Star Number One. Yeah, it's a, a celebration of the 50th anniversary of the release of the debut album of Big Star, 
which is a band that's that's hugely influential, I think, uh, in in modern music, and um, was really underappreciated at the time. They had like one of these classic, uh, uh, tragic kind of stories where their uh, the business side didn't promote the album and couldn't get it back together, and so their their albums didn't sell very much at all when they were originally released. And the band kind of fell apart and, and there were, you know, it was the seventies. There were stories of uh, uh, drug issues. And um, I think, I think the two main songwriters both had, you know, uh, uh, well, I, I mental health issues. I mean, I don't know how else to say it. It's something we all, you know, deal with. Um, so uh, they, they, they struggled after that, but Alex Chilton, the main songwriter went on to have a, a pretty successful career and was lionized by, Paul Westerberg and the replacements in uh, the song Alex Chilton. And I think that's really how a lot of people came to know Big Star because um, the replacements were very influential themselves. Right. Um, and people were like, well, who's Alex Chilton? Who's a big star? And right. they went out and found it. And uh, I first heard them in the 80s. Um, but I think really most people were introduced to them through uh, the replacements. I had no idea who Big Star was, and I started reading about it and how influential, yeah. like you said, influential they were, kind of like insider, insider baseball for yeah. musicians, you know, the mm-hmm. people that like that kind of music know about this group and, and feel that they had a huge influence on them. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about this show. It sounds very exciting. The first album was just an incredible album, incredible melodies, great songs high energy the first side it's like a a really rocking song followed by a really beautiful ballad pretty much the whole first side of the album and i think of albums in size so that's (laughs) shows you my age right Um, (laughs) so uh so we're going to recreate the first album uh in its order for the first set of the show second set we're going to do songs from other albums that they did uh radio city was their second album and you can get into long, long arguments with musicians about which album was better. <laughs> you know, <laughs> number one record or Radio City, they were both classics. And uh, and then there's a, a, an album called Big Stars Third, which was mostly Alex Chilton and, and studio musicians or uh, musicians that he worked with there in, in Memphis, um, which is very different, much lower key, uh, uh, kind of depressing in places. So they had three main albums, um, and Chris Bell, who died very young, did put out a solo album, and Alex went on to do a number of other projects, including solo albums. But we're going to concentrate on the first three albums and a couple of solo things um, in the second. Well, in the second set, it'll be the the later stuff. And this isn't like the Woldridge Brothers covering this. This is you bringing in a bunch of different musicians to to play through the the album. Yeah, that's right. Um, we have uh, just a, a lot of different uh, people. Uh, Chris Paracelli is going to play once or sing one song. Uh, Michael Ferrier, Nick Leet from High on Stress, Stephanie Paquin. She had a band called American Housewife, which I discovered in trying to put this together. I was looking for bands that covered Big Star or did Big Stars from this area. And I found out about Stephanie's band and they were terrific and they do a great cover of Oh My Soul. So uh, she's going to be playing Mo Rudd from from that band is doing a lot of the guitar work. Tom Bentz, uh, uh, Tommy Bentz um, is is playing guitar. Ben Glaris and Brian Just, two great songwriters here in town who uh, 
have a very similar style to some of the big star stuff and are great fits for this. So uh, um, Cindy Lawson for, uh, is going to sing a couple songs and, and help out. Wow. So we've got a lot of people involved. Uh, I'm, I'm counting around 20 musicians total. Oh, that is just great. And this is yeah. going to be Friday, September 9th yep. at 7 p.m. Uh, at, let's see, at Parkway Theater in Minneapolis. That's right, on the sell site here. All right. And there's $18 advance tickets and $25 at the door. We'll say this again at the end. So if you all okay. are interested in going to that, we'll get to the info at the end. So I have a quote section every week. And I found this quote by a legendary songwriter, John Prine. Just <laughs> You know, like genius, 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 yeah. Americana genius in particular. In fact, uh, as, as I read, uh, he kind of popularized Americana. Um, yeah. Maybe Dylan maybe created it somewhat. And then he kind of popularized it with his incredible songs that he wrote, not only for himself, but many other people covered. Right. So um, the quote is, writing is about a blank piece of paper and leaving out what's not supposed to be there. You know, it's it's one of those great quotes about songwriting. And and I think, you know, to some degree, he's talking about less is more, you know, trying to focus. And, and when you write a song, really get to the essence of it. Um, and his songs are a great example of that. They're just they're not real wordy and they're so memorable. You know, the lines are so memorable. What words are there really count. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I love that quote. That's a great one. Uh, the other quote I love about songwriting is Bob Dylan's where he said, a song is anything that can walk around by itself. That's and, really uh, cool. <laughs> I just I think, that. you know, if, if a song is really good, it does have kind of a, a life or, a, you know, a, a, an energy of its own. And it has legs. And, yeah, yeah. All right. right, So let's turn to your next song that we're going to play is called Some of the Damage. And is this a song written by you or the Woolbridge Brothers? Uh, I wrote this one. Brian really helped with uh, there were some chords in there that we kind of played around with. So that was it was a bit of a collaboration and getting the vocals down with Brian and Julie um, and probably Gorsuch and and Jack as well uh, contributed some to that. It was really, uh, you know, like a lot of songs on that album. It was a group effort. Um, but I wrote the, the bones of it, you know, uh, the, the lyrics and the, and the basic chords. And, you know, speaking of like stripping things down, I, this song is about grief. So I wanted to really not be too wordy or sentimental and really get to the essence of it, of, of what I was thinking of, you know, at the time. And what were you thinking of at the time? Well, I was I was thinking, uh, well, of relationships that I've had, including some with some people who have passed away. And and once that happens, you can't fix things. Right. If there were ever uh, a problem or or something between you. So that song talks about that a little bit, but also about how you just go through life. And, you know, you've got to accept that some things you do are going to be you know, are going to be imperfect, you know, not, right. not, not perfect. You're, you're going to make mistakes. Right. And, uh, and you've got to live with that and use it, I think, to grow. So that's what this song is about. I, I also kind of picked this one because I think it's the most similar to Big Star and its sound uh, of, of the songs that we do. It's different from the first one, in, in particularly in the vocal line. It's beautifully sung. Uh, your falsetto has incredible control. Really, really well done. Um, Thank you. Really, seriously. I, you know, and, and, and the, the sentiment behind the song, 
the damage that we have or the mistakes that we made or the fake failures that we have, or however you look at that, the negative things that happen in our lives, that they, um, they also inform the good parts of us yeah, and understands other people's failures and, and shortcomings. And, and I, I just love that sentiment. We yeah. can embrace that. We can embrace that those things right right it's we're human and and that's part of the process of being human is is uh figuring out you know uh how to move on and how to use the the pain or (laughs) whatever it is you know that you've experienced and uh, as you said it really helps you understand others as well it helps you to have empathy and i don't know anything any quality in humanity that's more important than empathy ah yes makes us better in every single part of our lives Definitely. Okay. So let's take a listen to some of the damage. This was written by Scott Woldridge, my guest today. Uh, So let's take a listen to this right now.
This is Musician Talk, and I'm your host, Pauline Jennings. My guest today is Scott Wildridge. You just heard him sing and play guitar on his original tune called Some of the Damage. Uh, yeah, that falsetto is really incredible. And I love at the end, it kind of, you have some Beatlesque kind of harmony somehow, it sounds like. And um, bringing that in just fills yeah. it in and takes it out beautifully. That, really that's, well that's the uh, big star influence for sure. Wow. That the, the in your range is is pretty incredible there, Scott. <laughs> you know, the thing, the thing that I've worked the hardest on is being a teacher. And it's I think the thing I enjoy the most about performing is like I'm pretty basic as a as an instrumentalist. And, and uh, I just worked really hard on being a, a good singer. And, I, I, you know, mostly it's self-taught. I just listen to people like Ray Charles and Sam Cooke. And Dylan and others, uh, John Prine, I mean, another great example. They can convey so much with just the way they sing and the way they phrase the words and stuff. And uh, there's so much to learn just by singing along with with artists like that. I agree. There's some ineffable things that you cannot teach. You can only hear and learn through through osmosis almost. Mm-hmm. Now, how do you how do you really explain bending notes? I mean, you could say uh-huh. bend the note, but really, how do you do that? And it kind of takes listening to learn. Absolutely. I think, yeah, that's interesting. So I also have a part of this show called Best Gig, Worst Gig. Mm-hmm. So uh, the worst gig we like to talk about because, you know, well, learning from our mistakes, but also uh, when enough time has passed, we can laugh about it. Yeah. And so what, what comes to mind for you? Well, I don't know that I can think of a single worst gig. I, I can recall a couple and there might've been a lot more than a couple where I got just super fixated on like a mistake or something that was unexpected or the sound wasn't right. And you can get so caught up in that, that it just kind of blows the whole show for you because you're not focused on what you're doing. You're not relaxed, right. uh, you're not enjoying yourself. And you, you can't really put on a good show unless you're enjoying yourself and relaxed. And um so I think there have been a few shows like that. And I think most of them, I hope, happened when I was younger and hadn't quite figured out, you know, some things about performing. I think that whole sound thing, it does take you out of the moment, out of the performance. If you can't hear well. Yeah, you can't let it get to you. I mean, right. you, have to, you have to have the, the muscle memory and the uh, experience and the confidence to know that, you know, you're out there doing your best. What the audience hears isn't necessarily what you hear. The audience wants to be there in most cases. They want to be there. They're on your side. They're going to be forgiving of like little issues. And I love the idea of of having the experience to let that stuff go. And I think it does take experience to to allow yourself to do that. Because the only thing you're going to do by worrying about it and focusing on that is is not have is also going to be detrimental just like the sound problem is to your performance so why add insult to injury kind of thing it can really snowball i mean you know one little problem suddenly you're not focusing and you're making more mistakes and and you end up you know feeling pretty crappy (laughs) so so i i you know try to you know roll with the changes as another great song said I bet you have more than one great gig that you can recall. My, I have a terrible memory, so I'm going to go with the last show, the most recent show we did with the Wildridge <laughs> Brothers. And it was really rewarding for me and I think for Brian and Julie because we hadn't performed in public in three years. You know, the pandemic and some health issues and, again, the distance 
between us uh, geographically um, just combined to just make it impossible to do shows. And we got an opportunity to open for Delamitri in Milwaukee. It was just kind of a fluke. And we'd worked with them many years ago. Uh, we had opened for them on their first tour. Oh God, when was, when was it? It was in the eighties. It might've been the nineties. Anyhow, we got a chance to open for Delamitri and uh, when we were a pretty young band and, and that was very much a thrill Mm-hmm. Um, and then to be able to come back and and work with them again and see them again now so many years later was really wonderful and being able to get up there and and feel like we, we you know like we never left it it was really it, it just came together well and uh, i think we were all very happy with the with the show where was, was the show it was in milwaukee so you know we had a lot of friends there we had a very supportive yeah. audience um it was a lot of good elements to that show So Scott, where can uh, people find your play schedule and your music? Uh, Well, I do have a website, www.scottwoolridge.com. And that's W-O-O-L-D-R-I-D-G-E. That's correct. Get that D in there, right? Yeah, I've seen it misspelled many, many times. I bet. I'm on Facebook. I try to be very good about uh, announcing shows and promoting them. people might have to put up with some politics too. <laughs> if they see <laughs> Facebook but yeah, uh, Facebook's one place and, and the web, web page is another one. And so you can get your music uh, on your website. Are you also on streaming services? Yes. Okay. So yeah. just put in Scott Wooldrich on, on Spotify or. Or the Wooldrich yeah. Brothers. Right. Okay. Awesome. And again, I want to remind people of, uh, the big star number one re- record at 50 years old that this show that Scott's helping to put on, excuse me, are you producing this show? Yourself? Yeah, it was, it was my idea. And I just, you know, when I found out early this year that the, the uh, number one record was going to be 50, I was just like, we got to do a show. We got to do a tribute show to it. Uh, I had been part, I was fortunate to be part of the big stars third show at first Avenue, think back in 2015 some peers of alex chilton after he passed away started putting on shows that commemorated the, the big stars third which is a very unique album and, and they were able to do some really unique stuff with it uh, mike mills is in that chris stamey ken stringfellow from the posies there were a lot of of, of you know relatively well-known musicians um uh, in that production and we were fortunate brian and i to take part in it and so that was kind of the template. And I was sort of already, I've been doing tribute shows uh, to uh, for Nick Lowe and Simon Garfunkel and Elvis Costello at a local place, the Driftwood Char Bar here in, in Minneapolis. And uh, this was an opportunity to do it at a much bigger venue. So it's a much bigger production and much more challenging, but it's just been a ton of fun. It's been great. And this is at the Parkway Theater in Minneapolis and it's Friday, September 9th. And yeah. at 7 p.m., 8 p.m., the doors open at 7, music starts at 8. That's correct. Well, this has been great to have you on the show. Thanks, Scott, so much. It's really been great to meet you. Yeah, yeah, I've really enjoyed it. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Many, many thanks to Scott for sharing his music and musical journey with us today. Thanks always to Wendy Nordquist and to you for listening to Musician Talk on the One, KYMN. You have a wonderful day.